Hello and welcome. My name's Ben. I'm the CEO of Charlie HR, and this is the Culture Ops Podcast. We're the podcast that's trying to lift the lid on the challenging situations that affect your business and your culture on a daily basis. Let's get into it. Welcome back to another episode of the Culture Ops Podcast. One of the books that really changed how I feel about the job that I do is Leaders Eat Last by Simon Sinek. Now, that's not a particularly revolutionary book. I'm sure many of you have uh, read it. But I love it because of the idea that as a leader, our responsibility is to protect our team and make them feel safe. And I think that concept of making our team feel safe and protected has been really tested, maybe tested more than ever over the last few months. Truthfully, it's been really hard to ensure everyone feels safe when the potential for salary cuts, furlough, and even redundancy have been far, far too real. We're all thinking about our financial security more than ever. And how you consider that as an organization now and in the future is going to be really important if you want to build a culture that can help you thrive in the aftermath of COVID-19 and ensure you're set up for whatever 2020 has lurking around the corner for us. So to help me unpack that idea around how should we be thinking about our team's financial health, I've got Grace Tolley, Head of Product from Bipit with me today. Hey, Grace, how you doing? Hey, Ben, I'm good, thanks, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Um, um, as, as are you, I'm sitting in my, you know, somewhere in my house with all the windows shut, the curtains drawn to try and, to try and make sure that there are no weird um, interruption sounds. But um, Yeah, thankfully this is, uh, you can't see us because I am very red and finding myself with all the windows shut. This is not a video podcast. This is audio only. Yeah. Um, so tell us a bit about what uh, Bipit does. Yeah, so um, Bipit is a, an employee benefit, benefit financial well-being product and kind of was started by our CEO, Sam. He was a, a wealth manager um, and he was really frustrated that from kind of traditional wealth management and advice firms, there was no real appetite to make financial advice accessible to more people. You know, traditionally, you, you have a few clients, they have like at least 50k worth of assets, and being efficient and, you know, doesn't really equate to more money. So it makes a lot of sense to be inefficient and um, have a few few clients. Um, so being really frustrated with that, he thought, you know, we can make a change and we can use tech to do something about it. And that's why kind of Bipit was formed. And you know, for us, it's about democratizing access to financial advice um, and giving people the knowledge and the access to expertise to be able to take control of our finances. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's what we're there for. I think everyone, whenever I do talks and speak to people, you know, put your hand up. How many people here are worried about their finances? Like so many hands shoot up. Financial worries are such a such a key thing to our lives and we all experience them at some point. Um and being able to have the tools to be able to manage your finances better or, you know, be able to ask someone impartial who's got knowledge um, about kind of the guidance and what they can do, I think is really important. And that's what that's our mission and that's what we're there to solve. 
So I guess personal question, how do you feel about your personal finances um, now, now that you've been at the, the, the business for a while? Uh, do, you, do, you, do you feel better? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I, well, I mean, I'll tell you my personal story in that I was terrible with money for a really long, long time. Um, and I think this is why I think businesses, no matter how much your employees earn, need to kind of think about their financial well-being because basically I had bad financial practices from the offset. So I, a little story was like my my dad would earn the money and his money would go for all the bills. And my mom's money, she worked part-time because she was looking after us, was her fun money. And, you know, she would take us shopping and she'd be like, don't tell your dad how much you've spent. And that that instilled in me, like, oh, money is fun and we buy good things. And I didn't really see the side of my dad who was, like, balancing all the checks. And so, basically, the more money I earned, the more I spent. And the only kind of in the past few years have I thought, like, what do I want to achieve? Like, I can't keep going on the way I'm spending because I'm never going to be able to afford to have children or be able to buy a property um, that's really kind of made me shift my thinking. And that happened in the last few years. But... Working at Bippet actually, and especially through coronavirus, has made me think about how fragile you are and how like having an emergency fund and having like protection products, which people just don't really have in the UK, a very small percentage do, you know, like, do you have critical illness cover? Do you have life insurance? Do you have a will? And I've started been having these conversations with my husband to think about like, God forbid, what if something happened, but if I died or he died, like, would we be able to stay in the flat? And mm. so more recently, I've, it's the, the financial management side of it has improved just kind of naturally when I kind of took a step back and thought, if I carry on the way I'm carrying on, I'm never going to achieve these things I want with my money. But more recently yeah. with coronavirus, I've, I've really started to think about how fragile and, and like, oh, you know, your health is and, and being kind of prepared for a, a shock. And so tell us, um you know from from people that you work with and your customers what you know what are the some or just generally within within the kind of industry what are some of the trends that you've seen over the last couple of months what are the things that people are worrying about when it comes to you know their financial well-being yeah I mean I think for companies I think it's uh an awakening to how important financial well-being is and and how crucial it is to how their staff function. Um, because certainly if you're furloughing your staff, um, which many people have had to do, you know, can they absorb a 20% reduction in their wage? Uh, and with that, you know, that's a real big question. Like, um, and I, I feel like employees feel like it's because they've had to put people in furlough, in some respects, how can they help them be in a position to be able to weather that reduction? So I think like they're thinking about what their responsibilities are more acutely. And I think more widely, if we think about kind of marketing and stuff like that, I feel like people are going to be more loyal to people, to companies, to brands that have done the right thing in this crisis and have been there for their customers or their employees or their family and friends. And, and so I think they're thinking about how much kind of loyalty kind of ties into it and how can they they bring that into their well-being packages i mean just on that do you think that it's an organization's responsibility to consider the financial health 
of its team members because there is an argument, right? Um, and I'm not saying that I subscribe to the argument, <laughs> but I'm asking I'm asking the question because I think it makes for that interesting discussion, which is, you know, money is one of those subjects that we'll leave in a box and we won't necessarily talk about. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm not gonna, um, I'm not gonna tell you how to spend your money. I'm not gonna tell you. Um, how to live within your means you know that's mm. for you to determine that's your responsibility that's not my responsibility as an employer but for sure we see right now with with furlough with you know even salary cuts voluntary salary salary cuts which we've seen in a, in a lot of businesses or even redundancy that maybe those two things are actually closer maybe Maybe we do. Maybe we do have a, have a bit of a responsibility. So yeah, I guess how does that how does that question sit with you? Where does where does where's the line drawn? It's really interesting, and I, I suppose it's like philosophical. <laughs> um, it's really hard. I think me personally, and I think a lot of people, um, HR people, and, and CEOs of companies feel like that their companies are a family, and their mental, their physical their financial health is important and valued. And there could be more sceptical people where they feel like it's not their business, but from a bottom line perspective, the facts are, facts are there. When people worry about finances and are in problem debt and don't feel in control, it impacts their work. And, you know, they're less productive. They kind of churn away stuff more quickly um, they have problem relationships with other colleagues. So I think even whether you sit on a line of from a kind of heart perspective that I want to really look after my, my colleagues and I care. And part of that is physical, mental and financial. And I want to make sure they're, they're OK. But from a head perspective, there are also numbers that say perhaps I feel like I don't want to get involved but actually my business is more productive and better and runs better if I, if I do help. But I think also the question is like, and, and we'll probably come on to this, but it's so key about it's communicated correctly because also there'll be employees who are like, I don't, I, I don't want you to get involved in my finances. Like it's none of your business. And so it's a fine line of like how, how you roll out well-being strategies that don't feel draconian and making any kind of judgment on people's how they spend their money, but is really just saying, look, if you need support, it's here. It can be confidential, it's outside, but you know, let us let let us help you be the best you can be. And that's part of it. But I, I think it's a, a fine balance. I guess what I and I think you're right, but I guess if I put myself into the mind of you know, our, our listeners, which are, you know, I like to say people who are responsible for people. So you might be yeah. an MD, you might be a CEO, you also might be a head of people or, or someone within an HR role. You know, we've got a lot of things on that list. There are a lot of things on that list that we need to worry about. There's, yeah. you know, people's mental health, which we know has taken a um, a real battering <laughs> over the last couple of months. There's physical health. Um there's the health of their career. There's the health of their progression. You know, how yeah. well are they developing? How well are they learning? The list of things that we need a strategy for, the list of things that we need to do something about, is pretty long. And and you know, I guess I can hear I can hear people, um, uh, you know, in my head saying to them, "Look, we need a strategy now for for 
for the financial health of your team saying, well, you know, maybe that's one strategy too far. So how do we yeah. order these in terms of priorities? I guess what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. And I think when I, I speak to a lot of HR people about what they're doing, um, you know, to understand like how they make these decisions and how they form their strategy. And, you know, the good ones say it's people led. And that's what it needs to be led. It needs to be led by listening to your employees. And I think that, you know, through engagement surveys, through kind of informal forums, I spoke to someone quite recently, who says that they use their kind of Friday all hands as a great place to kind of slowly bring up ideas and say like financial health what do you think and that kind of facilitates a discussion to hear back and so I think it really needs to be led by your employees and what they need um, and you know financial well-being may not be at the top of that but I don't think you'll know unless you have start having those conversations yeah and, and, I, and, I, and I really do think you're right we did a we did a survey recently um, amongst some of our customers um, looking at what are the kind of what are the kind of areas of support that companies want to provide to their team members? And yeah, financial health um, was 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 high up on that list, right? So it's it's definitely something that's top of mind um, for people. And you know, the last two months has definitely brought that more into the centre of our focus. Yeah, I guess to do that well, do we have to change some of this predisposition that we have? whereby money is just not something that we're very good at speaking about. And I don't know if it's a British thing. <laughs> I was just um, about to say that. <laughs> um, and, and maybe it is. Um, but I think there's two sides to it. I guess, you know, the, the first side that I see is companies not being transparent with um, their financial figures. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm a big advocate, and I think we have been for a long time, which is, um, you know, you've got to share how the business is doing, what the metrics are, what's what's in the bank account, what's how much does it cost us to run our company? You know, that's information that we share with the team on a, on a regular basis, but is pretty rare, right? Like having that full level, full transparency is not something you see yeah. an awful lot. And then, you know, that's the first thing. And then the, then the other moment where I think money becomes something that people talk about is in the salary discussion. And it's kind of in many ways and in many businesses is a slight dark art where it's a bit of a negotiation, a bit of mm. a, we'll give you this, what about this? No real strategy, no real framework. And I, look, I know that's not the case for all businesses. You know, many companies like... Um, like ours, are, you know, we do um, we have a salary framework which links to people's progression. So there's kind of there is a process and and there is transparency around it. But you know, I, I really do think that there are these kind of um, two fairly old school ways of talking and considering money within our organisations. And because of that, I think that really affects the cultures that we're building when it comes to money. Uh, yeah, so I, I worked for an investment consultancy um, when I first graduated. And, you know, it was that kind of mysterious art that, you, that dark art you said, you know, you get caught into a room and you kind of put down a piece of paper and this is your salary, like this is your salary review and bonus review. And, you know, there's a lot of kind of stigma and shame about not telling anyone like what you got. You know, you'd kind of come out and try and be straight faced or you'd smile or 
sad face and it wasn't any transparency like I felt in no position that I could ask what other people got paid and it would only ever come out if you'd had a few drinks on the pub on a Friday and that was instilled I would say by the culture from above and you're so right like you have to if people aren't transparent from above who are leading these companies how can we possibly be transparent with each other with our money so like if I feel like I can't even share like what I got for my salary like how could I possibly feel confident enough to share that hey I'm struggling with money or even even just like financial education questions like where are you saving your money or you know where have you put your bonus or yeah I've had a pay decrease I don't know how I'm going to manage and it's so right it has to come from the top down and I think kind of startups are really in a really unique position to be able to be that culture change because the leaders are new and fresh and it's not kind of big corporates where there's like a massive infrastructure and a whole historical way of doing things even though we can change things in those organizations but it takes a lot more but in startups you know and it's really kind of like nice to hear is like they want to have these conversations and they want to be transparent and like you said you know you kind of share the figures and that transparency breeds other transparency and maybe it's not that you want to speak to someone directly about your finances but it may give you the confidence to say I'm struggling like where can I go um and so I think yeah you're right you need to kind of lead from example um and it's really hard because I think like financial kind of bad habits or or problems can be really stigmatizing um Mm -hmm. and it's like who do you go to talk to um you know it it's kind of it's scary and traditionally you know we see people speak to family and friends but you rely on someone else having the the knowledge or being impartial you know and so that I mean that's why we kind of brought financial advisors into our product which meant that someone had someone impartial to speak to who's not wedded to like what you do what decision you make they don't make any commission off what products you buy it's just impartiality um because I mean another thing we see is like there are so many new like glossy financial products out there which do uh, like they do amazing things I use them myself I've got like Chip and Monzo and Revolut and these are great products but you know if someone down the pub is telling you like this is the product for you it like oh I'm using this product it might not necessarily be the right product and you might end up start investing money in people like investing in individual stocks and stuff which isn't perhaps right for them so it's kind of yeah, it's where do you get that financial education? But yeah, being prompted by being transparent to say, I have a question, I need support. Yeah, I mean, we, yeah, I completely agree with what you're saying. We, we if, if we mean that financial health is something that we want to take seriously within our organizations, then in all, in all these things, it starts with, it starts with culture change and it starts with, it starts from the top. And I think, We've seen that happen a lot when it comes to to mental health, and so I'm I'm confident, I'm I'm optimistic that we can see we can see a movement and we can see a change, but it, it definitely does have to come from you know people like you doing what you did at the beginning of this podcast, sharing your story, sharing the journey that you've gone on with money, you know the good things you've done, maybe the things that you wish you hadn't done, and and 
it comes back to this idea that the more vulnerable we can be, the more open and honest we can be about our own experiences, the better able others are going to be to learn from those experiences. And a business is such a great opportunity to do that, right? Because we're all together focused on a common goal. Information sharing, experience sharing is is just, it's it's optimized for that. Yeah, and you kind of have to be the first brave one that says, because if it comes from the top, I can understand someone might be like, well, you can't look after your own finances. How can you do this job? You know, similarly with mental health, like you're suffering with anxiety. How can you do this job? And it's like, it doesn't impact my ability to do my job well. It's, it's So it's being brave and saying, I had, you know, I struggled with finances. I made this mistake um, and kind of stand up and take the risk of someone saying, well, you know, how does that reflect on you and stuff like that as a leader when, you know, it's being honest and confident and, yeah, sharing your stories, which I'm super passionate about. And so what do you think the kind of the business advantages in, in, in I guess, dealing with this, right? We kind of touched on it a, a bit at the beginning and, you know, I... I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a full believer that financial health should be part of how we think about well-being and wellness within our organizations as a part of the different policies that we have, ultimately to support our team so that they can do their best work, right? I think, you know, culture in many ways has become this slightly fluffy thing that we don't really know what to call it, what to do about it. And actually, I think it's pretty simple. I think culture is your people, it's your processes, the way you run your business, and it's your policies. It's what you do and what you don't do. And well-being and supporting people and financial health is is one such policy. Uh, so, what are the benefits? What are the what are the performance improvements? Um, what are the things that are going to allow teams and individuals to do better work? Because this is something that we're thinking about within our companies. Yeah, and so I've got some stats, <laughs> um, like right, prepped and ready to go. But I mean, like in terms of like prog- productivity, like so, so some stats from finance is like seventy-seven percent of employees say money worries impact their work. Two point seven hours lost per week, one sick day a year. Uh, you know, due to financial stress, and basically the changes of like with the impact on productivity and um, retention and like staff turnover it it can cost about 10 percent of your kind of salary bill that you kind of lose to these kind of inefficiencies that that financial worries cause so there's a real kind of bottom line to it as well as just like even the softer stuff of people who feel and so we, we you know we speak to people um, users quite regularly and, and what is financial well-being to them and a lot of it was about feeling hopeful so feeling like they will be able to get on the property ladder in a few, ta- a few years time or be able to retire when they want to and there's that feeling of control and feeling on top so it's like I'm gonna get to payday without having gone into my overdraft or need to put something on my credit card and not be able to pay it off and so there's a, that kind of feeling on top brings like confidence and it brings happiness and it means that you come to work feeling more present and it means that you have better conversations with your colleagues I mean probably your loved ones if you've been working from home know when you get stressed I mean I know my husband like kind of I'm a bit short with him take it out on him and that's because we've been working at home and it kind of goes into the workforce so as well as there being kind of hard facts to how financial well-being kind of impacts your bottom line 
there's also kind of the environment that you're going to create, which I think is is so, so important because if people are happy and are working well with each other, then you get better ideas, you know, you work better as a team, you kind of progress more, you, there's collaboration. And so I think as well as the hard lines are these softer kind of skills that I think we underrate perhaps really of like how much of a joy is it to come to work? Yeah, and there, and there definitely is a, um, there's a ripple effect with all these things, right? You can have, you know, one person that's having a difficult time and for sure that affects the people around that individual. And, um, you know, maybe it's not as noticeable now in this kind of remote world that, w- that we're living in, but I think definitely I worry about the well-being of the team much more now that I can't see them and kind of check in very easily, right? Um, and so it feels to me like things like this are things that we need to be taking much more seriously as we look at, yeah, what is, what's work going to look like for the next 12 months? It, okay, it might not look like the last two months, but it's still probably going to look pretty di- different. And so the cultures that are going to thrive within that are the ones that are going to think about well-being as a whole and, and f- financial health is part of that for sure. Yeah, so it's a really interesting time. I think like I spoke to a HR person today and there's like so many challenges really, I suppose, thinking about it. Like, so now you've got to deal with like, what does your workforce now look like? So you have no idea. Like, you know, are you going to have more remote people working probably you also have to like plan for people coming back into the workforce so how that address as well as like kind of dealing with the aftermath of people may be in a a worse financial state people may be dealing with poor mental health because they've been isolated for so many months it's a really tough time and I think that's why really listening to the team and like taking the time to check in and communicate with them is super important and understand what their needs are because like as you said earlier before this happened you had loads of competing like things that that was on your list of things to to do and how you want to improve your workforce and be better for them and now you've just added a, a load more things to the list and so I think it's listening and taking time to talk to them to to understand what they're really their needs are so you can kind of start your priority list and I think you know financial well-being for some workforces will be the top because they will be in a poorer financial state after this okay so let's let's try and on some some really clear actionable things that, that someone could go and do tomorrow within their business what are the kind of two three things that you think um are the best place to start when it comes to supporting someone's financial well-being yeah so i I think it'd be one is like listen you know and and also not just asking but kind of be aware of when someone might be struggling financially um so kind of trying to look for triggers like are they seeing more stress like try and be aware as you can listen doing surveys to find out and then I think kind of be try and bring it to open forums where we can start having these discussions and and make it known that you understand that is a problem there is no judgment and like let's work together to make it better so it's trying to kind of communicate it that you understand this is a problem and you're you're going to see how you can develop it but let's be open to conversations hmm 
it makes a ton of sense. Listen and start talking about it. And I think if you can do both of those things, you can understand, you know, what's going on for people and you can start to um, make money something that we can talk about again and not something that we're going to leave in a box and let the dust settle slowly on top of it. Um, and with that, I need to wrap up uh, today's episode. Um, Grace, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate um, you being on the show and um, uh, all the time you've given up uh, to be with us today. Thank you so much. Many thanks for having me. It was a great conversation. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And as ever, I need to thank uh, Mel, our producer behind uh, the virtual glass. Uh, Mel, without you, this show would not be a thing. Uh, to all of you listening along at home, uh, working in the garden, uh, on a terrace, um, uh, inside, in the living room, wherever you are, uh, we really appreciate you. Uh, we really appreciate you listening along with us um, over the past couple of months. And it's been awesome to see uh, the listener group grow as, um, as we continue to put content out. Remember, if there's an issue you'd love us to discuss, drop us a line. I'm at Gately on Twitter and we're at Join Charlie. We look forward to seeing you again next week. I've been Ben Branson Gately, your host, and this has been the Culture Ops Podcast. <laughs>